body aches at bedtime, Sierra Sil is a natural mineral supplement that supports joint health, calms inflammation, and we're so sure it'll work for you as it has for me and my husband for over 10 years. It has a money-back guarantee. Go to sierrasil.com, S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L, and use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hello, my name is Erin, and welcome to DRIFT. Made possible by Envy Pillow. Created by Kathy and Kim, Canadian registered nurses who have partnered here with me. I've rested my weary head on an Envy Pillow for about 20 years now. It started because of stress related neck pain, and I've been in love ever since. Learn more in the morning at Envy, E N V Y, pillow.com. When you hear the name Hans Christian Andersen, you may well think of his much-loved tales, The Little Mermaid, or The Emperor's New Clothes. Certainly, the longevity of these stories can be attributed to their wider-reaching and more common themes, such as fish out of water, or the powerful person who no one dares call on their foolishness. But there's another of his stories that has long been shorthand, for someone who takes time to grow into who they truly are, perhaps even someone who was ridiculed or underestimated until the day they blossomed, like the hero or heroine of a Katy Perry song. The author himself once told a critic that this story was, in fact, his autobiography. Today, The Ugly Duckling is a tale so well-loved that it has been translated into many different languages, told worldwide, and has been the subject of animated films, opera, ballet, and musicals. So let's add to that list, as we've adapted it and made it our own, just for you here on Drift. Before we get going, though, let's snuggle into your nest. I want you to take a deep breath. And as you exhale, relax your body and sink into your bed. Your pillow holds your busy head, your overworked neck and shoulders. And with another breath, you reassure the parts of your body that do so much holding and lifting, resisting and working, that the day is done. You may rest now. Relax. And with one more inhale, I want you to think these thoughts as you let go. I am safe. I am loved. I am at peace. From the tip of that beautiful head of yours to the soles of your feet, peace. With that, let's take wing and enjoy this version I wrote for you of The Ugly Duckling. Here we go. A contented duck sat on her nest at the marshy side of a quiet pond. It was March. The fresh promise of spring on the farm reflected the excitement that Mama felt as the month of sitting on her nine eggs was soon to come to an end. She could hear clicking and peeping from within the shells over which she had stood or sat guard. For the past nearly four weeks, there was that one day, though, 
when the winds blew so fiercely in a late winter storm that her eggs were scattered hither and yon. She and her own mother duck, soon to be a grand duck, had scurried to gather the eggs that had escaped and rolled away from the nest in the high winds, and it wasn't until at least two weeks into her sitting on them that Mama Duck noticed one of them was definitely different from the other eight. It was larger. No worry, she thought. I'm so glad to have my eggs back under me in the safe and cozy nest. And so there she sat and waited, with occasional visits from Grandma Duck for newsy updates from around the farm. What did she learn? Well, the chickens were busy laying and clucking, pecking and strutting as usual. Silly chickens, they only wished they were ducks. The rooster, oh, he was his usual cocky self, rising before the sun and performing a duty he felt so very important, letting the world know that another day had dawned. The pigs, well, they were friendly as always, although goodness knows they could all use a thorough bath, burrowing day after day in the muck and mud. But they were harmless enough. The lambs, just new to the world, frolicked and leapt with amazement at it all, while their mothers grazed peacefully nearby. Elsewhere, the cows and the horses all spent their days munching and wandering the fields. Life on the farm was bursting into new greenness, beginning again. Now, if only Mama Duck could join in and introduce her babies. At last, the time for hatching was at hand. As morning broke on the first day of spring, so did the shells. Seven of the eggs cracked and released their chattering and curious contents in short order. Then the eighth shell was chipped at from within, revealing its precious, fluffy inhabitant. But it was that one last egg, the ninth one, that took so much longer to hatch. The following morning, when Mama Duck would be expected to take her little ones out of the nest to parade before her neighbors, she fretted and stewed about that stubborn last egg. She was about to consider asking Grandma Duck to come and sit for a while, when suddenly beneath her she felt the vibrations of pecking and rocking. It was time, and soon enough out came duckling number nine. As his siblings looked on and chattered in their high-pitched peeps, the youngest duckling emerged much larger than they. His soft baby feathers were gray, unlike the older eight ducklings, olive and yellow tones. Perhaps, thought Mama, I left him in to bake a little too long. But, oh, he was worth the wait, and now my family is complete. And with a few more hours of gentle how-do-you-do's, the little duck family left the nest and made its way in an orderly line to the water's edge. The paddling lessons went, well, swimmingly, that is, until Mama and her nine ducklings emerged from the pond that was in the middle of the barnyard. She was naturally excited to introduce her offspring to the rest of the farm's residents but was not prepared for the unkindness that came her way. For after the chickens, the rooster, 
the pigs, cows, horses, and sheep, had come to inspect these newest members of the farm family, Mama Duck had the distinct impression that they were not nearly as besotted with her youngins as she was. For as they all inspected the ducklings, they nodded and made their subtle mm-hmms and oh-mys until they came to the ninth duck. And then Mama could hear the chickens clucking in disapproval, see the rooster raise an eyebrow before turning on a sharp clawed heel and stalking away. She noticed the pigs snuffling and starting to inspect each other's ears and tails, looking suddenly very busy indeed, rather than meeting Mama Duck's eyes, while the cows, sheep, and horses simply strolled away, their tails flicking at flies that weren't there at all. Why, even the lambs hopped closer for a better look at the ninth duck, jumped back on all fours, and ran away as fast as they could. Whatever is going on? asked Mama Duck. And that's when Grandma Duck told her something that was clear to all, but to which a mother's love makes her blind. Her youngest son was alarmingly, unfortunately, disarmingly, well, ugly. Ugly? Mother, whatever are you talking about? cried Mama Duck. Honey, you asked me why everyone is acting so darn strange, and that's why. Your boy, he, he, he just ain't right. In fact, he's ugly. Mama Duck turned and walked away. Well, waddled, really, as fast as her legs would carry her. She didn't want to say anything to her mother that she couldn't take quack. But to say he was ugly, her boy, he was not. He wasn't like the rest, that she knew. But he was special, that's all. Special. If her mother and the rest of the bunch couldn't see that, well, that was their problem. Not hers. She loved him just the same. Even more, perhaps. As the other eight ducklings pecked around in the barnyard dirt, looking for bits of grain or corn left from the chickens' last outing, young Grayson, for that was to be his name, had overheard his grandmother's words and had seen his mother stalk away and bowed his head in shame. He had noticed the other animals' kind eyes and admiration as they inspected the ducklings. But being a sensitive and very bright little fellow, he also couldn't help seeing how their eyes and expressions changed when they saw him, so much larger than the other ducklings and a different shade altogether. A tiny tear rolled down his bill and onto the sandy ground. Come, children, said Mama Duck, who had returned. It's time to go home. Mother, I'll talk with you later. The family turned, and the tiny ducks struggled to keep up with a very angry mama. That is, all but Grayson, whose feet and legs were larger than those of his nestmates. Still, he lagged back a bit, struggling not to keep pace, but to keep face. Days turned to weeks, which turned to months, and soon summer was shining its lovely light upon the farm. As the days grew long and warmer, though, 
there was still a distinct chill in the air whenever Grayson was near. Mama Duck was not yet talking to her own mother, and the farm residents were as rude to the duckling as ever. Actually, their disdain had grown to outright hostility, for often when we do not understand something, we tend to dislike it rather than try to get to know or learn about it, don't we? And this is what Grayson endured, until one day he decided he would perhaps try to find friends elsewhere. Yes, that's what he would do. While his family enjoyed an afternoon nap following morning play, he swam the pond and crossed the barnyard, paying no attention to the disapproving clucks of the chickens or the laughing snorts of the pigs. He walked with his head high right up onto the porch of the farmhouse, which of course was a place that no animal, save a very special few, was ever to approach for they all knew that any farm animal found in the house was most often on a table, having just come from the oven. No, the farmhouse was most definitely off-limits. That is, of course, unless you were Leroy, the family's loyal dog, or the cat, whose name the animals did not know, for who would ever bother to waste their breath calling a cat? There was Grayson now right up on the wooden porch, having hop, hop, hopped up the three front steps, and bold as brass, he sat there, waiting for Leroy or Cat to come out and say hello. What Leroy was doing that late afternoon, we can't know. And had he been there, perhaps he would have befriended Grayson. But Cat, oh, Cat was most definitely home. For before you could even ask if perhaps this was a good time to visit, the large tattered calico with one ear half missing and a shortened tail thanks to a fight with a raccoon shot around the corner of the porch and pounced on the unsuspecting Grayson. The duck had the wind knocked right out of him. And before he could say his name even, he was suddenly rolling down the stairs and being chased by something fierce and angry. Cat swatted at him as he ran, his sharp needle nails causing feathers to fly and Grayson to cry out in shocked pain. As they passed near the hen house in a terrible hurry, the duck spotted a small hole bored by mice in a wooden storage bin and deeked straight inside, the cat furiously poking his paws in the hole and trying to nab his panting prey. Poor Grayson cowered in the corner of the feed box, crying and shaking as he tried to catch his breath. As the cat yowled in anger, it occurred to Grayson that he couldn't stay here, not just in the feed box, which he was able to leave once the cat's food was scraped out of a can in the house, but here on the farm. He had no friends, his siblings ignored him, and his mother, well, as much as Mama Duck tried to protect him, Grayson knew that he had caused her much heartache. She had lost all of her friends at the farm. They gossiped and laughed about her and her ugly duckling. And worst of all, 
the babies had no grand duck, for no duck, mother or not, was going to speak ill of Mama Duck's babies, any of them. And so Grayson felt it was time for him to move on and find other ducks, other friends, other horizons. And without even returning to the nest, Grayson walked as far as his legs could take him from that barnyard, long into the night, and found a stream. He stepped in and let the waters guide him where they would. As he floated and gently paddled his large black webbed feet, Grayson considered what it was he wanted from his life. The love of family was out, except for his dear mom, of course. So he would have to find others who would accept him just as he was. Perhaps there were other gray ducks just like him, not yellow or olive-colored, not growing in their rich brown feathers and bright blue collars, just gray. And that would be okay, for Grayson knew that what he wore was not important. He was a nice duck, and he'd find other nice ducks who would like to be his friend. The ducklings stepped onto shore in a field of poppies in the day, which dotted the green of the land with the brightest and cheeriest of colors that morning. Surely I can find happiness here, he thought, and nestled into a sandy bank of flowers and tall grasses to rest for a while after his long journey. But only a few peaceful hours in the midday sun passed before he heard a terrific series of booms, followed by flapping and quacking and the worst kind of panic sounds as men with long, noisy rods pointed them towards the water right at him and caused all kinds of carnage and chaos. Grayson stayed low and buried his head under a wing, waiting until the men for he recognized these two-legged beings from the farm, had stomped away, and the noise had subsided. This would not be a place for him to find friends or peace. In fact, it was quite the opposite. Where he had known unkindness and fear, now he knew terror and heartbreak, for there was death here, and all Grayson wanted was love. On he went walking back into the stream which had widened now into a river and carried on past the sandy shores and verdant fields into parts of the land he knew nothing about. Would these gentle currents bring him to a place of safety, of security, and most of all, of belonging? He could only hope. The duckling paddled and floated, dipped and drank, ate when he could, and slept when he felt safe. After a couple of days, he was weary of his travels and began to wonder when he could stop, when he would find a place where other animals were kind, where he would find ducks to call family, where he could finally feel at home. It was a cloudy, windy day, and more than ever the duck needed a rest, so he got out at the river's edge and found a bank of sandy grass where he could burrow a little and curl up for a nice long sleep. As he tucked his big bill under his wing, he was just about to doze off to the sound of raindrops beginning to fall on the rocks on shore 
when he heard something else, a honking sound, not like the quacks of his duck family, but louder, more piercing, more sharp and commanding. He popped his head above the grass, and there in the river were the whitest, largest ducks he'd ever seen. Actually, their long necks made them appear more like geese who had dropped in on the farm now and then, looking for food or a soft place to lie. These birds were dunking their heads and pulling at the wet grasses, having an afternoon meal, and quite happy from the looks of things. Grayson was too weary to be sure, but guessed there had to be one, maybe two dozen, of these bright and beautiful creatures such a short distance away. How lovely, he thought. And then, as he burrowed his bill once more, he sighed and wished he could just walk over to the shore and call out hello to them, to tell them his name, to ask if he could swim and perhaps travel with them. But he could not, for Grayson's heart had been broken too many times by the unkind actions and words, the mean and hurtful natures of so many of his fellow creatures. He had grown to become as protective of his heart as his wing was of his gentle, unusual face. Here he was safe and warm and away from the attacks of the outside world. And he went to sleep, counting those white birds floating nearby as he did so. One two, three, four. Day slid towards evening, and the rains passed. It was a gentle late afternoon, although quiet save the crickets and usual early evening musicians. Grayson blinked himself awake, noticing the rumbling in his belly when he suddenly held his breath. He heard a sound, a small crackling, was it? And another? The duckling continued to listen intently. Danger was nearby. No, it was passing by, and he could see from a white tip of its tail that it was a fox. Now Grayson knew that foxes are the scourge of barnyard and field fowl alike. They love to hunt and devour pheasants, chickens, ducks, geese, and Grayson was aware that the fox, quiet as could be, save the rustle of grass and the soft snap of the odd twig, was on his way to the river's edge, where he had seen those other birds. Some were now on shore, and Grayson realized he had to warn them. The fox was on the hunt, and they would surely be attacked. He saw the red-brown creature pass by in a healthy, stealthy trot, just yards from where the other birds were gathered, muttering amongst themselves. Screwing up his courage, Grayson let out not the usual whistling sound that he had made since his birth to the derision and laughter of his nestmates, but an enormous series of honks and cries. The fox realizing that his meal could be much closer than he thought, turned towards him in a flash and charged at Grayson, who flapped his wings and raised himself up, up, up into the air, and hovered over the fox and the river's edge, 
where the rest of the goose-like creatures were now aware of what was going on so very close by. And then, astonished at what his wings had just done, for ducks often have such difficulty flying, he lost both his focus and coordination and began his rapid descent to where the fox was waiting, his mouth open and expectant. In a flurry of white feathers and wide, powerful wings, the herd gathered together, rather than fly away as they had every right to do. The bank of birds came in a running, flying motion towards where Grayson and the fox were about to meet in the worst of ways. One of our own is in peril, shouted the largest of the birds. We must help. Together they charged the fox, who was now chasing the frightened, squawking duckling. The wily reddish hunter was no match for the flapping, powerful wings and sharp teeth of these birds, who batted and snapped away from above, from the sides, and from behind. That fox took off as fast as his nimble paws would carry him. As Grayson sat trying to catch his breath, his mind running a checklist as he determined whether the fox had gotten anything but a few feathers, he looked at the bevy of birds who had rescued him. They were indeed the same regal, long-necked geese he had spotted earlier, buoyant and drifting in the gentle current. Wait, he thought, had he heard correctly? Did someone say, one of our own is in trouble? He found his voice, if not his words, and said to the first who reached him, th th Thank you, I, I, he... No need to thank us, dear boy, said the male bird, better known as a cob, as another gently nudged him with her large orange beak. You'll be all right, son, said the female, whom you'll know as a pen. You're none the worse for wear. Thanks to you, neither are we. Had you not called out to us, that fox might easily have made a fine feast of one of us. What are you doing on your own? You put yourself in danger's way, boy. We swans must stick together, you know. Oh, no, sir, you're mistaken, said Grayson. I am a duck. The flock of white birds laughed as one, honking and flapping their wings as they did. Wait, said one of the smaller ones. What on earth makes you think you're a duck? Well, what else would I be? asked Grayson, puzzled and not a little hurt at having been laughed at. My mama was a duck. My siblings were ducks. And where are they now, these ducks you call family? They're back on the farm. I wasn't welcome there. Not by anyone except my mama. Not by the chickens or pigs, the horses, cows, sheep, and lambs. And especially not by the cat. His voice trailed off as he remembered his earlier encounter with its teeth and claws at the farmhouse. Oh, of course not the cat exclaimed the cob, clucking gently. Did it ever occur to you that you didn't look like a baby duck? Yes, I, I had noticed in my reflection in the pond that my feathers were a different color. 
my face and beak gray and black instead of their browns and yellows, but my mamma said, Your mamma was a good mother, to be sure, said the pen. But somehow, my boy, you made your way to the wrong nest. You, little Signet, are not a duck, but a swan. I'm not a pig, I'm not, he cried. Not a swine, laughed the young one. A swan. We live nearly twice as long. We're much larger, and of course we're the most beautiful birds on land or water. The other swans simply nodded in agreement, and they weren't wrong. For of all of the birds of flight, none is as confident in its stately beauty, its fiercely territorial nature, and lifelong mating practices as the lovely swan. Surely no bird could aspire to be any more than these majestic and admired animals. Suddenly, like the sturgeon moon that was beginning to rise in the clearing summer sky, a light went on for Grayson. It was a realization, yes, but more importantly, it was a feeling, one he'd never had in his life, one of belonging, of being part of a flock, of being with birds of his feather. And so, with all of the courage he could muster, having been laughed at and attacked, shunned and shamed, he asked them a question. Do you think, I mean, would it be all right if you joined us? Dear boy, of course you may. For you, young man, are a swan. No longer the duckling who didn't belong, but one of us. We shall be your family. You will fly in our wedge, share in our travels and our lives, and build your own nest alongside ours, if you will have us, that is. Of course, Grayson agreed, and as time went on, he found himself a mate within the bevy of swans, and in the passage of a few more years, helped her build a nest and raise their signets. The stories of Grayson's new family traveled on the wind back to the farm, where the gossiping chickens made sure they told everyone of the ugly duckling's adventures and with whom he had found his new home. While the news was met with surprise by most, Grayson's mother, who had never stopped loving her son, and missed him more than she missed any of her grown ducklings, smiled for days, for it had turned out that her ninth child was not ugly. He was simply different, and of course, special, just as she had known and told him all along. But as we know, even a mother's love isn't enough. We have to believe it for ourselves before we can truly take flight. And with that thought of swans lifting off from still waters and into a pink sunset sky, I invite you now to just drift off and sweet dreams. <laughs>